Hello and welcome back to another week of We Need Therapy. On today's episode, we discuss some updates in our lives. Jordan talks about some of the discoveries that he's made in therapy. And Josh talks about his experiences with gratitude and journaling. Thank you for joining us for season two of the podcast. We'll be dropping episodes weekly for one hour on Wednesday mornings. We also have a new Instagram and a TikTok page. Both are We Need Therapy Pod. No spaces, you'll find us. So, what did you think of the last episode? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. It was unexpected to meet Darcy and... I just found her so down to earth, which I said over and over again in the podcast. I must admit, I was very nervous going into it. Yeah. Not because of her, but because of you. Really? Yeah. What did you think I would say? Because I, I, I didn't know how well you'd respond to her. What do you mean? She was lovely. Yeah, no. And as I said to you, like at the time, well, I actually said to the three of you afterwards, I felt like I was a third wheel last episode. Oh, you mean because we got along so well? Yeah. And I, I really didn't expect that. Yeah. Look, I, I didn't think I probably would have much in common at face value, but the way that she was so, as I said many times, authentic with her point of view, she just called a spade a spade. She said exactly what was in her head at that moment. And I felt like... I could really, I guess, relate to it, but I was I was kind of respectful of that. Yeah, I feel like about 10 minutes in, you were like, yep, I like this girl, yeah. and then I could just see it in your mood. Yeah, I did really like her because I kept it, thinking about her for a few days <laughs> and how cool she would be to hang out with. And you don't say that about a lot of girls. No, that's probably right. So for context, when I brought you into the room... Mm-hmm. was the first time you had properly met her. And you're like, no, I don't want to meet her before. No, nah, I want to be authentically surprised. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah, that's true. You did say we should go out for coffee before the episode. Yeah. And I was like, no, I want it to be more authentic than that. Like, well, thank I, God it was a good interaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could have gone very, very wrong. Do you what? think I would be like rude or just like catty? Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's a bit different when you're on camera. I hope I would. But I think worried. the uh, the authentic you, you, it could take a while for people to warm up to you. People warming up to me yeah, or pe- the other way around? Uh, I feel like, and I can also speak from my perspective with our relationship with each other. For the first six months, I didn't know if you liked me or not. You know what? People have said that to me before. People ask me about that. They're like, oh, I don't know if Jordan actually likes me. And I'm like, mm, yeah, you'll get used to that. <laughs> What do you think it is? Like, why do you think that is from your point of view? I think you give off this aura of intimidation. Yeah, people have told me that before. <laughs> <laughs> what What's intimidating about me? Because once you get to know you and the jokes and whatnot, like, there's nothing intimidating about that, but... Yeah. yeah. Well, they're certainly not funny, so... <laughs> Maybe it's your body language. I think it... Yeah, I think you I, might You're be right. quite a tall person and you're quite chunky. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. I'm going to put that on my grinder profile. <laughs> Tall and chunky. <laughs> Do you mean like foreboding? Maybe. Um, chunky? And I guess even in a work context, you have a very professional side that you can switch on quite easily. Whereas for me, I'm just like yes. the same in, in every environment. And so yes. I think people see the fun side and they're like, oh, I'm going to try to be fun with him. But sometimes if you're in that headspace, it's just like. Yeah, I think you probably are quite right there. I do project a composure and a side of me at work that is I think that barrier is just really hard to cross Mm. unless you're in my inner circle of friends in which case I'm you know pulling you aside to talk about the latest I don't know gossip or thing that I am thinking about thank god I'm not in your close circle because that's (laughs) fucking boring actually I pulled you aside yesterday we went for a walk just around the office so you, you, you get all, all right, right let's not let's not talk about you pulling me off at any moment especially during work times <laughs> so but, it's funny because you actually sent me a message the other night and I was like well, what the fuck's this uh-oh and you're like serious question do you think I'm a princess I did I did <laughs> what was that from I had gotten some feedback I feel like it's very feedback based around me today someone had given me some feedback that I was quite I guess <laughs> precious yeah not precious but I like the finer things in life they said you're quite snobbish and that I wouldn't settle for anything that was considered to be like cheap or inexpensive. Yeah, and you had asked me for my serious opinion on that. You, you said, did. "Wait, what was it? it? Was am I a princess slash a snob slash?" Yeah, I can't remember the last the one. Fi- do I just like the finer things in life? Yes, that's right. And I said, "No, you're not a princess, but you are a snob, and you do like the finer things in life." Which and yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's a fair statement. I think it's evolved 
over the last few years. Yes, I think that's probably true. My lifestyle has changed and I think my tastes have changed as well. And I think the reason that I sent you that is just I feel like I'm trying to become more self-aware of things that are not serving me well. And I do notice that over the last few years, I've become accustomed to a certain way of life. And sometimes when I go back to experiencing things that I would have had before, whether that be like hotels, restaurants, food, or otherwise, I feel like I don't get as much enjoyment out of them anymore. That does bother me because then I don't, I don't want to be a snob. It's not intentional. I just, I just like expensive things. You've just lost touch with the common man. Uh, you know, people have said that. <laughs> but you know, you know, you, you're trying to make it work. Like you, you had a cup of instant coffee the other day. Yes, I do. I have instant coffee. What you're, you, I have? you're currently wearing a shirt from Target. Actually, no. This is actually designer <laughs> <laughs> stuff. For you, the fabric's really nice. Yeah, no. I think when I go out for dinner and I like ordering food or drinks, and with a group of people, I really don't like it when. I don't know, a couple of people in the group are trying to be really stingy and it's like, oh, I don't want to eat that. I don't want to go to that restaurant. So yeah, I think it's hard. Yeah, it does bother me a little bit now. And I think that's where it kind of, I feel the friction point in my life. And I'm like, I should change that. Like I need to be like every person, (laughs) be like, okay with eating. Well, I'm very excited to see how this journey takes you. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of self-discovery going on at the moment. So what was your reaction when that person implied or suggested that you've turned into a bit of a snob? I guess I wasn't offended by it. I mean, you just are who you are. And I think you get to a stage in life where, you you know, you just accept that. But it did bother me because I think in the past I would have been frustrated by people that were snobbish and people who think they're better than other people because I think that's what the, the connotation is. Like if you're a snob, then you think you're better than everyone else. And I don't even like the word snob. Like it, it's not very nice. It sounds very childish. Yeah, it does. I don't know if we and can we're just think saying of that another. because we're both snobs. Yeah, <laughs> you're definitely not a snob. <laughs> but I don't know what my reaction would be. I think I just had this moment of like, oh, hang on a minute, am I one of those people without even realizing that I was? I mean, I've had those comments about me as well. Oh yeah. I think naturally, as you get older and you, just you become accustomed to wealth and you become accustomed to certain things. Well, we were talking about flying business class. True. And how recently I went to Adelaide and it was economy tickets. And I, I know it's crazy that we, I, I cringed. Well, I had to upgrade this. my flight to premium economy because oh, I just you? couldn't bear the, the thought of. <laughs> this is so bad. We can't put this in the podcast. It makes us seem like such idiots. No, this is us trying to be relatable, right? I know, but we don't sound relatable at all. And I, like, I agree. I, I flew, this is, this is ridiculous, but I have flown a lot, business a lot. And I had to, I had to fly back. I flew back business um, economy from Melbourne and I flew their economy and I was pretty worried before the fly. And then I got on the flight and I actually found it to be really comfortable. Yeah, you messaged me. And I was like, like, oh my God, it was fine. Economy wasn't even that bad. Like I was full on surprised by it. And I didn't have access to the lounge beforehand. I don't, I don't know. Like I feel so uncomfortable admitting that because I just feel like it paints me as such a bad, like a bad person. Yeah, uh, saying it out loud feels ridiculous, but... Yeah, it does feel ridiculous. I mean, even there was something else that you said around... Was it the dentist? Like, if you could, you'd go to the dentist every week? Or yes. you'd happily pay? Yeah, I think that's my little like idiosyncrasy, though. I love going to the dentist. And I've been obsessed with dental hygiene and dental health and, and having, like, clean and, you know, whatever, mm. nice teeth for a long time. I don't think that's a snob thing to do. But I, I am very passionate. Anyone that's spoken to me for more than 10 minutes knows how passionate I am about dental health. <laughs> but I think everyone's got these little idiosyncrasies. But yeah. I think for you and me, more so you, it's probably dialed up to the point where it's a bit too much. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and you can be a bit dismissive of people who don't live a certain lifestyle like you. I don't think I'd dismiss anyone. Maybe that's why people find you intimidating. I don't think I'd dismiss anyone. It's just that I know what I like. And I, I like to use my... And I can afford to get it, is what you're saying? Well, no. But, well, I guess so. Like, if I like things a certain way, like, I don't know, let's say drinking French champagne, and you want to use your own money to buy French champagne so you can drink it on a Tuesday afternoon, like, what's wrong with that? But well, people would say you're a snob. Or an alcoholic for drinking on a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> I drink Tuesday morning. I just didn't even tell you about that. <laughs> 
But do you know what I mean? It's like if I want to use my extra $150 to upgrade to a five-star hotel instead of four-star, it's like that's nobody else's business. As long as I haven't got that money, you know, mm. illegally like or, or stolen it from someone else, it's like it's my money. Yeah. I don't know. I've got no comment. But people do call me snobbish for doing things like that. Yeah. Well, it's all relative, right? Yeah. So relative to the normal population, you're a snob. What's the normal population? I haven't spoken to anyone like that for <laughs> years. Are those, what is that word? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you mean there are people that don't shop at Good Grocer? <laughs> Good Grocer is really great. And I don't always shop there, but it is really, it is fantastic. Anyone who goes to Good Grocer, they want to go there all the time. Oh, 100%. I think we'd all love to go to Good Grocer. We just can't afford to. But do you know what? I used to, I used to shop at Spud Shed. I used to go to accidentally or no. When I was at when I was at uni, like you're going to eat your words now. When I was at uni, I basically had a budget of like twenty bucks a day for food or whatever. I would go to Spud Shed. I would get like five bags of lettuce for a dollar and four like knobs of corn for a dollar and all of that. Like I did all of that. I used to go to Coles at a certain time to get the rotisserie chickens discounted. Yep. You know they were. I think they were eight dollars at that point. But you I think could get Tuesday them. nights. You can get a them. bit cheaper, yeah. Are they? yeah. But whatever it was, I would always go just before closing at the Coles. Shout out to Coles Waterford near um, Curtin University. I used to go like ten minutes before closing and grab like three of the chickens and then just freeze the meat, which is crazy. Which is crazy freezing like a rotisserie chicken meat. Like, are you kidding me? Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Isn't this a rags to riches story right now? <laughs> Have I reached riches? I still feel like I'm in rags. <laughs> That's just the uh, clothes you're wearing. So this anyway, is Lululemon, how dare you? Which you also get a discount for. So maybe well, maybe you are still in touch with the common man. You're getting discounts. It's not like I don't like discounts. Like just for a bit of context, we get discounts at Lululemon. Well, well, I get discounts at Lululemon because I'm a physio, and physios have this special referral code thing. Yeah, not anymore, but still, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We got kicked off. Commoner. Anyway, so that's the only reason I shop there. It's because I get like 25% off. <laughs> so I don't need that to spend money. That is advertisement for Lululemon. <laughs> if Lululemon want to sponsor this podcast, I will jump through a yoga mat. <laughs> a premium one. Of course. You're not I, I, I bought a yoga mat from, from Lululemon. They're really, they are actually <laughs> they, really good. They are really good. Yeah, they are really good. Anyway, <laughs> so we've been off air for the last few weeks. And we have. after these first 10 minutes, it probably should be even longer. Maybe. Yeah, we did take a break. It was um, a very sudden break. It was. I think I, I, I pulled you aside and said, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and then you said, why don't we take a break for a while? And yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. I yeah. felt a bit like overwhelmed by the podcast. And I think people don't realise the amount of time that we put into planning, recording. You in particular obviously edit then. Like how many hours a week do you put into the podcast for an hour episode? Um, I'd say probably about maybe six hours or so. Yeah. I would say, I'd say probably about four and a half to five. Yeah. Like I spend a lot of time oh, it's the thinking cognitive about space. what we're going to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I just talked over no, you. No, no, I was talking over you. What were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it, don't you feel like when you have a podcast, which is weekly, which we do, like you feel like you have to go out and do things and you're constantly like mining your week to talk about like what was funny or what was like all of that? Um, not really, no. Oh, okay. I think my me. life's a bit more interesting than you. I mean, to be fair, that blind I don't think date. I don't think your life is more interesting than, than me. I think it's a lot more happier than yours. Uh, I wouldn't say so. <laughs> <laughs> but it has been a, a pretty big few weeks. Yeah, that's right. Should we do recaps? What's been happening? Yeah, let's do recaps. We haven't done that in like okay. the last four weeks. What did you do in your last month? <laughs> what did you do on the weekend? I actually have heaps. So I bought an apartment, um, my first like entry into the home market or mm -hmm. whatever it's called. Real estate mogul. Real estate, yeah, tycoon. So I'm moving. I lived in Scarborough. I'm getting the keys in a couple of days and I'm moving to an apartment which is just across from South Perth. Yeah. So yeah, super excited for that. Massive, massive process. Yeah, it is. There's so many agents to deal with because the house that I'm moving out of is being listed for sale. So we've got a rental and a property agent for that property and tradespeople. Yeah. And then on my side, I've got a mortgage broker, a real estate agent and a settlement agent, and everyone's trying to talk to one another. So it's just like, 
you know, it's just life. I think that took a lot of your brain space. Yeah, it was really tight. And your time frames were so tight. You really had to be on your game. So anything in your life that was occupying that essential space. Exactly, yeah. And from the moment I saw the the apartment and from when I'm going to get the keys, it's going to be like 28 days, I think, which is like pretty quick. Not even that, maybe like 24 days. So within the month. Mm. Yeah, so it's a lot. I do want to do a shout out though. I've been talking to a friend of a friend of yours. I don't even know how to say it now. Yeah, an old of client yours. of mine yeah, yeah. who listens to the podcast and is a big fan. Yeah. Anyway, they um, they have this great company called Brandon's Moving Boxes. And basically, I was really stressed about how to get all my stuff from my new place to my old place and rah, rah, rah. Anyway, there's a company in Perth and they drop off these moving boxes for you. You can choose the size. You can choose the amount that you want. And they pick them up a week later from your new place. So, yeah. and they're like good quality, like kind of plastic tubs with lids and it just makes things like so much easier. I haven't even met the family yet, but I think it's a really great business and we should be supporting it. And the website's just so easy to use. Like you log on, you submit what you want, and then all of a sudden like a member of their family gets back to you and yeah, they just organize a delivery. Like it seems really, really easy. So I'm looking forward to using that service, which yeah. I think will, as you said, like make my life a little bit easier because there's a lot to consider when you're moving. Oh, absolutely. House. I mean, I went through the moving out process a few months ago and you saw me basically break down in, in terms of stress and you trying to actually all that. did well don't they say it's like one of the top is it top five or top ten most stressful things in your life? Yeah. Isn't it like breakdown of a relationship? I marriage? thought it I thought it was number one. Oh really? I don't know. No, that's like death of a loved one. Oh yeah, I suppose. Yeah, for normal people. Definitely. <laughs> anyway, so I bought an apartment. I wrapped up the last of my relationship with my ex partners. You so, wrapped up the last of your relationship. Yeah. Sorry, this is the way you said that was very... Huh. Well, I think we can agree there was some loose ends. <laughs> Which one? Which one of the two? You are kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not answering any of those questions. In, in all seriousness, that was a big relationship. No, I mean, we, we've talked about it, so we don't need to back over it. Oh, God, no. We don't need to back over it. There's a whole episode if people want <laughs> to re-listen. I've listened to it. Don't best, listen. Best of the hits. <laughs> but the mental space of a relationship breaking down takes quite a lot. And Absolutely. This was all happening at the same time as moving house. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. So what's been happening with you? Well, I went to Adelaide and I guess another special shout out to my friend there, Kate. She's actually managing our TikTok account. Woo, friend of the podcast. Love Um, your work, Kate. So she's actually very keen to meet you. Oh, really? She's fascinated by you and probably the the fake life that you live through your social media and through this podcast. It's not fake. She's like, oh, he's always so happy and positive. And I'm like, (laughs) maybe we'll just delay meeting him for a bit. So just so you can keep this positive image of Jordan in your mind. Well, that's that's not the first time you've told me that some of your friends are excited to meet me. Mm, And why do you think I never introduce you to them? Well, probably because you're trying to keep that facade going on. No, you're trying to keep attention on yourself. You know that as soon as I walk into the room, I'm just going to snatch it. Is that right? Exactly. How's that going for you? Well, I haven't met any of them yet, so. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I actually met Kate years ago and I met her through Twitter. Really? Yeah. So, you know how all these weird gay porn side of Twitter? (laughs) Because there's a very heavy gay porn side of Twitter, by the way. What do you mean? You're not aware of this. No. Twitter is like, they allow like, you know, over 18 content. There's a huge amount of like adult content on there. On Twitter? Yeah. Oh, there you so go. So like famous film stars. Like, I mean, this is crazy, but the only one I can think of is Stormy Daniels. Apparently the, the lady that was alleged to have slept with Donald Brett, Trump. Donald Trump. Like they will go to Twitter and have their own account where they post their own content and it's like a way of them stepping out from the studios that film, like, you know, porn content. And they can – it's like the OnlyFans thing, you know. Oh, and they can just post nudes on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, but you, you can, like, pay money to follow people and stuff like that. So, oh. yeah, anyway. No, I didn't – I mean, I haven't been on Twitter for 10 years. Oh. But, yeah, no, it was great. Amazing time in Adelaide. Over the weekend I had another wedding. Oh, okay. So, for people at home, I'm actually studying to be a marriage celebrant. You are. And that's quite a long course, isn't it? Yeah, I thought I'd be done by now. I thought it'd be so much more easier. I fucking hate the course. Yeah, I'm I feel like so disinterested in it. You did it on like a whim. I, don't, I want to be a marriage celebrant. I yeah, just don't no. give a fuck about learning about marriage. How many hours a week do you spend studying? Oh, probably not enough. It's a 12-month course and it's online. So, I thought it'd be like getting an RSA. Yeah. You just do a multiple choice quiz, click, 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 and then you get this bloody certificate. I think it is in America. In, yeah, exactly. Because that's all I knew. Like America, almost everyone's a marriage celebrant. But here, 
so much legislation I have to learn about, everything to do about marriage in parliament, re- legislation. I don't even know. That's how bad my course is going. And then there's just- Is, that, is this the one you're using chat GTP to write all your essays? Oh, 100%. Shit. So if I didn't have that, I'd probably throw in the towel. Yeah. It's just not stimulating at all. It's not like studying for uni where like I'm actually interested in the content and want to know, like I know I'm going to be a really good marriage celebrant. Mm. I don't need to go through all these. Like there's assignments where you're like, oh, what are you going to do if you're driving to a wedding and you get into a car accident? I don't know. The, Why the, is that my issue? I mean, like obviously, but how is that going to make you be a better marriage celebrant? Yeah, or another one was what are you going to do if you're performing and a kid starts crying in the middle of the ceremony? I don't know. Kick him down the aisle? Is that the answer? I don't know. What would you do in that situation? What would I do? I'd say no fucking kids at the wedding. Well, exactly. It's a trick question. Like who, who, yeah. Kids shouldn't even be there to exactly. begin with, you know? But then the right answer is, oh, you attend to the kid, you try to get them regulated, you talk to the parents and see if they can do anything about the kid. Try to get away. them regulated. This isn't a bloody OT session. They're in the red zone. Get them to fuck off. <laughs> Don't come to the wedding. But it's and just also, so stupid. So much hypotheticals. I know. I'm meant to be driving to the wedding. I take a helicopter everywhere. Stupid question. <laughs> Next. <laughs> <laughs> just as they're doing the vows. <laughs> the bride's hair and makeup just going all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like George of the Jungle. <laughs> the good news is I'm almost done. All I need to do is a practical assessment, which is me filming a yes. fake wedding. Can I be in the wedding? I've been the father of the bride for the filming before. Oh, yeah. Someone else's was doing mar- marriage celebration. Well, we were thinking about doing a lesbian wedding yeah. with Ash and my friend Amy. That's cool. We did a gay wedding. They can be like a complete joke. You know that, right? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, so the reason why I want to do a lesbian wedding is because if they fail me, I can call them out for being prejudiced. Yeah. That's a good, that's a really good strategy. I've thought this through. So, but you can be completely ridiculous with it. Like you don't even have to stay within the realm of possibility. Like I think for the ring, we used to cock ring (laughs) and I'm not even joking. Like we tried to make it as stupid as possible. And as far as I know, that person still got their license. (laughs) All right. I'm not going to take your word for it. I might do my research, but I think there's only a few things that I actually need to demonstrate and show in the wedding. And it's saying the actual script, which I'm going to have on my iPad anyway. Oh, you don't have to know it off by heart? No. Jesus, what's the the best point? What's the point, man? Honestly, we should all just be priests and marry people. Sure, that's what priests do. (laughs) 100% of the time. No sexual exploitation required. But no, uh, once I do that, I'll be fine to marry people. And I don't know, I kind of just want to do it because I can say I've married someone. Because I don't know if I'll ever say that in my life, the way I'm going. (laughs) You mean you haven't been married, but I've married someone else it's a very long and expensive thing to get like you know a sentence <laughs> ticked off the box <laughs> oh, yeah, good I'll, on you for i'll do anything it. for a good laugh yeah, that is true that is true would you let me marry you if i yeah if i was to get married if you ever found someone that would never love you again oh you are so brutal today what do you mean you when you listen back to that you will just cringe that was so <laughs> brutal yeah if i was to get married yeah I would let you marry me. I think you'd do a great job. Cool. Awesome. Well, see, sign me up. (laughs) So anyway, as we touched upon earlier, this last month hasn't been easy for you. Yeah, I feel like the last month, maybe not so much the last few weeks, but certainly like the last... Yeah, two or three months have been like a bit of a a bit of a lull for me. We we had to have a crisis meeting. It wasn't a crisis meeting. I just said I was feeling a bit fed up with the few things in my life. The podcast definitely was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And taking yourself back to that time, can can you describe some of the thoughts that were going through your head? Yeah, I can. I guess like it's more of an, an absence of like positivity or like happiness. I do remember one day I was driving to work. It was probably about three, three or four weeks ago. And I was just feeling like really glum. Like I thought it was a really bad day. I noticed the weather wasn't very good. I had nothing to look forward to that night. And I did have this moment of self-awareness where I was like, oh, I felt like that yesterday as well. Like that was a really bad day. And I suppose the day before that wasn't also good either. And then I was like flicking through my mind and I was like, you know what? When's the last time I had something really exciting happen? Like something really positive? And I was like, fuck, I can't think of anything in the last month basically. And then I kind of had this light bulb moment where I was like, wait a minute, am I depressed? I feel like I am a little bit depressed, but I haven't realized it. 
And I guess that was shocking to me because I thought people who had depression would become so aware of it. Like I thought it was all encompassing. I thought it was this sadness that you just couldn't shake off, like no matter what you did. But for me, it wasn't like that at all. And I and I kind of just had this question mark of like, well, I just don't really feel happy or positive and I don't think there's anything to look forward to. So I did end up speaking about it with my psych the following week when I had a session. And yeah, I, I guess for me it was quite confronting when we did catch up. I didn't realise the sort of headspace that you were in, but I could sense having known you for quite a while, your mood was a lot lower, you were a lot more irritable, you were a lot more negative. And yeah, that's probably true. I mean, it was even examples around, I mean, we recorded some really good podcast episodes and you're like, I've, I haven't listened to them. I don't care. Like, I don't think they're funny at all. Yeah, that's true. I did say that. I remember like the idea of listening back to the podcast. I was just like, mm, no, I don't want to. And I don't even really know why. Like, and I still, I still can't really put it into words. Well, I think that was a reflection of your headspace and where you were at. There was a lot of negative things that happened in your life and without going into too much detail about it, it started to affect your outlook. And I remember asking you the question, what makes you happy? You couldn't answer that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I guess when you're dealing with a lot, like particularly the breakdown of a relationship and at this stage I was thinking about where I'd be living as well, so accommodation, they're like pretty fundamental things you need in life. So yep. when you're trying to deal with them, I guess they just take up a lot of cognitive space and there's not really a lot left over. Mm. Well, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's secure oh attachment, <laughs> Here we go. OT. accommodation, relationships, and you basically had nothing in your life. Oh, Jesus. That sounds really well, on paper, like Well, I had things in my life. They probably just weren't going the way that I wanted them to. Oh, yeah, sorry. You had Lululemon clothes, a yoga mat, <laughs> and your French champagne. <laughs> they all sound like good things, but, yeah, there's probably more to life than that. Absolutely. And I did acknowledge that, but I think it took me much longer than I was expecting. I spoke to my psych during a session, and I was like, hey, by the way, I think I'm depressed, lol which is just a reflection of my type of humour. And he was like, well, okay, why do you think you're depressed? And I guess I just was talking about this, this concept I had in my head around depression, and I thought it had to be for six weeks of continuous symptoms, but he said it was only two weeks. So we spoke about it a little bit and how I had been feeling blue. I guess he didn't say, like, I think you're definitely depressed, but yeah. he did say that some of those symptoms could be depressive symptoms yeah uh, uh, yeah i think to, to clarify what we're talking about you experience a depressive low yeah but you weren't diagnosed with clinical depression which is that prolonged experience of a reduced or flattened affect and mood yes that you sound like a dcm s manual or whatever it's called <laughs> you swallowed dsm5 it. dsm5 whatever it is but i think yeah it's important to clarify that and yeah i think so which i would hate to be diagnosed with clinical depression or at least it seems like that experience is just horrible and I don't think it's it's well, I don't think it's me. I have never felt it before. I had this period of feeling really low, and then I don't know. It seemed to be around. So many things in my life were kind of tracking the way I didn't want them. They felt like they were going down like a pretty rotten path. And I think I said to you at the time, like, I don't, I don't believe this will be forever. It just feels very temporary. But I know at the moment temporary is not good mm. like what's in front of me is not exciting positive or happy and, and you kind of related it to being 30 as well I guess so I think it was more so like as you become older you just become aware of what you have and what you're maybe working towards and I think maybe that was affecting the other yeah, way I was thinking yeah you just want more security you've got more financial security and you know that's really great you get into the profession every year you you know your pay increases you get whatever you you know, you're seeking in your role or your title. But I think, yeah, I'm starting to look around at, you know, my relationships and my living situation and thinking like, this isn't where I, I would expect to be at 30 years old. I think I can do better than this. Well, I think this is a good conversation around what we've talked about before about men's mental health. Yeah. And being able to address it for what it is. Absolutely. I think that, first of all, you need to be aware that it's happening. And for me, I had no awareness for basically three or four weeks that I felt these this depressive low at all. Like when I said to you, when I called you and I was like, I think I'm depressed. Like I had no idea. I just didn't realise how it had been affecting me. Almost like a grey kind of cloud of fog that comes over your mind. Mm. Well, that's how... It's just so insidious. Like 
you don't know you don't notice that it's coming on until all of a sudden you've like banged your car into the one in front of you because you can't see. Yeah, that's what they say in depression is it's that black dog or the the grey fog. Yeah, that I've heard of the black dog thing before. That must come from a charity or something. And I think it highlights and I mean we haven't spoken about this but for you to feel confident enough to give me that phone call and say look can we catch up? I just need to get something off my mind and for you to be open and share that with me. Yeah, of course. Like, you know, you are my best friend. Yeah, but that still takes a lot of courage to be able to do. Yeah. And for me to be able to give you that feedback that you're not happy with your life, something needs to change. It's tough to hear that. Yeah, that's true. I do remember now that you saying, like, what are you actually looking forward to? Like, what's bringing you joy? And I remember being like, um, nothing. Which I don't think that's a normal response, <laughs> you know? Like, I'm not a psychologist, but I'm pretty sure you shouldn't be feeling that way. For me, that was one of my first experiences with those feelings and thoughts. Could you relate to them at all? Has there been moments like that where you felt similar? For me, high school wasn't a very good time for me either. I, I did sort of just coast through life. And we, we've talked about previously around my identity, where I fit in this world. And yeah. I didn't really have big social supports and I went through a period of lows around, you know, what is my purpose in life? Why am I here? And it was a very difficult time. I remember sort of some days it would be really bad that I just go with emotions and wonder if there's any point being around. Oh, really? Mm, That's um, that's a big statement. I didn't realise it was that bad. Yeah, I mean... uh, I guess that's for me, like, not for me, but like listening to your experience as well, depression is not what the feelings that like come on. It's kind of the lack of what exists. Like I didn't have any joy or or happiness at that point. So I feel like that was just missing. And for you, that kind of purpose was like missing. Would you say that was more overbearing than like the sadness itself? Yeah. the, The lack of, I mean, the world is a big, scary place, right? And that transition to high school is very difficult. And you're trying to fit in and when you're different to other people, you're trying to build your identity and and tackle the world and you're constantly getting hit with different barriers or trying to figure things out. And yeah, yeah, it's very draining. High school is a scary place. It's basically like a factory of conformity, especially when you're a teenager, like in those preteen teenage years, if you look different, if you act a certain way. Yeah, you're a target to get picked on or you're considered to be like an oddball. And and it feels like you just constantly, at least for me, I always wanted to be with the crowd, like whether that was having a flip phone or having, I don't know, what what did we have back then? Like iPods or a certain type of shoe or something that went in your hair or whatever. Like you just didn't even care what it was. You just wanted to be in the cool crowd with the popular kids, one of like the people. Well, I think for me it wasn't even that. I just wanted to have... Friendships. Oh, okay. So a bit more like deep than me being like, I wanted a Game Boy. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I didn't realize that. I didn't, there was also a period of time I didn't have any friends either. Like I I literally had no friends. Mm, And I think that's for me when I look back at my life and why I'm so grateful and practice so much gratitude around my life is that I do have this social support network around me now. And even with your example of what you've been through, like it was only about a month compared to other people that go through a very prolonged period. Yes. And I'm so, and I'm so grateful that it was only like basically three weeks mm. or a month of feeling a little bit low because it felt horrible. Well, it makes I was me like, fuck that. Like pretty much from the moment that I said to you, Hey, I don't feel so great within a week or so. I was like, I was feeling better. And I, and I am so grateful for that because it just, it's so debilitating. Well, I think the difference with your situation, maybe other people, is that you do have that support network around you. Yeah, and I'm very I, lucky. And I can imagine for me back in high school, why that lasted such a long time was I didn't really have any supports around me that I could talk to or yeah. even just the cognitive capacity to realise what I was going through. Well, you didn't, you didn't know. Like we didn't know about, I guess, we didn't know all the things that we do about mental health and therapy and we didn't have any self-awareness. Like... I think teenage years are just the most confusing time because for the first time ever, you're confronted with all these adult decisions, but you don't have any of the coping skills or capacity to deal with them. So it just ends up being this pressure cooker environment of like, wow, I'm experiencing love, intimacy, sex, relationship, my parents breaking up, whatever, for the first time. And yet I have all the skills of like someone who's seven and a half years old 
he's meant to be climbing around on playground equipment. Yeah. Sorry, I just I I didn't rehearse that. I'd never thought of that before. I just thought like that's exactly no, what came absolutely to mind. spot on. I know this year we've talked a lot about your journey with some mindfulness and meditation. Yes. When you met with your psychologist when you were going through this low, was there any actions to come out of? No, we so my psychologist does uh, schema therapy, which is something we touched on before when Ash, your friend who'd worked in that space, discussed it a little bit. But essentially it's not very directive. He doesn't give me homework or um, particularly like strategies. He doesn't talk about any of that. We just talk about the root of the problem, the development of the problem. And, and building my, your awareness around. Yeah, exactly. And then from there, um, I guess, I don't know, in, from my point of view, he just helps to, um, he doesn't even bring two points closer together. He just talks about both points around the edges and then and then all of a sudden like it's up to me to make the connection. So, yeah, that's probably one of the, like, the critiques at one point I said to him, like, oh, can you be a bit more, like, directive? Tell me what to do. And he was like, that's not how, that's I, not how, psych that's not how I do therapy. That's not what I'm looking to do. So I was like, oh, okay, no worries. Um, but, yeah, I continued on with him. He's a great – he's, like, a great psychologist. What's your thoughts on that, on him not giving you that answer or that link? Uh, why do you think he's doing that? Well, I know why he's doing it. My thoughts are that it's just frustrating when it happens because I feel like, you know, I mean, it's not about paying money, but you choose someone. I, I mean, I actually researched who this person was before I started going to him. But, you know, you research someone, you choose skills that you think are going to benefit you. you. We do pay a lot of money, like it's a couple hundred bucks. And then if they're not giving you like value for money or like this direction, it feels like, oh, what am I getting out of it? You know? Yeah. Do you ever get that? I understand what you're saying, but I, I disagree. I, I can see where you're coming from. But I don't. I, I don't think that's the best thing to do. I just think it's frustrating in that moment when you're looking for direction. Like I totally, I can see that me coming to self awareness on issues is going to have a lot more salience than someone else just telling me what mm, the answer. Because you don't want to get to the point where every time you're having a low or a crisis, you almost break glass in case of emergency, go and see a psych and feel fixed yeah. and get validated. Exactly. It's all about like capacity building. Well, Self-actualization as well. Capacity building. I know where you get that word from. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about some of your work with meditation. Where are you up to in your journey with that? Yes, I, I am on a bit of a spiritual journey with this. Have you been to sound healing recently? <laughs> Fuck no. I'm never going back again. I think I got malaria from all the mosquitoes. Yeah, no, I'd mentioned before on the podcast that I have been doing meditating. I read a book on it and it was really helpful and it was almost like a beginner's guide or at least like maybe even a skeptic's guide to meditation. And I've been doing these, um, I've been doing a course where I download the app and there's just hundreds of hours of different courses you can do, like around reducing stress, becoming less critical. And there's about like love and compassion. So it's really great. It's like 10 to 15 minutes. I do it most days, lay down in a quiet space and just kind of like listen to the voice. And yeah, it's a lot of breath work and just trying to be really present in the moment without controlling your thoughts to the point of like, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. Like I feel like I'm still quite new on my journey or at least my experiences are still coming up and I'm still refining them. But for me, I always thought meditation was like clearing your mind, basically. So to to get all the little things that were the voices that were there, just to quieten them, to try and empty them of deadlines and tasks that you had in a workspace or a social space. But the more I go through it, the more I realize that's not what it is about at all. It's about acknowledging the voice that's in your head and just being present while it continues to talk, but taking your reactions and responses away from it. Have you noticed any physical changes in your body or in the way that you think? I don't think my body has changed, but I, d I definitely have a little bit more awareness when I'm starting to like hit my threshold, getting towards that like breaking point. I think I just am more cognizant of like, oh, I've got tension in my back or tightness in my neck. So I wouldn't say it's changed, but I'm just more aware of it. And what was the other one? Your thoughts. I don't know. I think, uh, I really hope it will change. I'm not sure if I've seen it yet. So what are you getting out of it right now? You know, it's, I, I, I don't really know. Like it makes me feel 
it's a nice way to wind down at the end of the day. It, I feel like it really just sets my body motor like to bring it down a gear and down a gear again. So I feel like it's a good way to like kind of regulate me. And I also find that when I'm doing that like 5, 10 or 15 minutes of meditation, because I'm just trying to be present and aware, if something comes up out of the depths of my mind, which things constantly just come up to your consciousness, I I guess I I've, I start to think about like, well, why is this coming up? And what does this mean? Like this was here last time I meditated as well. Does that mean it's unresolved? Am I not focusing on this? And yeah, I guess feelings just tend to come up and I'm just trying to let myself sit with them basically. Mm. And it has it has made a difference. I've realised things that I've been pushing away. So that that's one of the things that it helps with. Yeah, I mean, I've said to you before, I think this is massive for you to go through because as m- much as what, four or five months ago, you were so sceptical about anything to do with slowing yourself down, meditation. You've tried so many different things and you weren't seeing results. Yes. So the fact that you've stuck at this for about three months now. Yeah. Yeah. It actually, it's really good. I'm like, I'm very proud of my myself because I was a total skeptic. And yeah, as you said, you know, live that go, go, go lifestyle. And yeah, it just feels like that's the only way to, to live basically. And I'm, I'm still incredibly like busy, but I do see the benefit in doing something like meditating. Have you ever tried it before? Yeah, I, I would say I dabble in it. I don't practice it as much as I probably should. Have you tried like videos on YouTube or? Yeah, just- I've got the um, this, this app called Insight Timer on my okay. phone um, and I tend to do a half hour meditation if I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed or a lot of the time if I do it before an event where I need to be switched on or where I know that there's going to be some potential anxiety. So before a party, before maybe like a gig or something that I need to perform in, just to clear my space, get rid of the anxious energy and to ground myself and so I use it in probably more of a reactive way rather than a proactive way. I think it's preventative though, because if you're about to enter that environment where you feel anxious and you do listen to it immediately before, surely you're trying to prevent some of those feelings from coming on. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. But that's when I know that there's something. Like I think for me, I'd love to be able to incorporate it into my daily routine, not just right. when I know that something anxiety provoking is going to come up because you're not always going to know when something's going to trigger you. Yeah, no, absolutely. So that's the app that I use. What, what was the name of yours again? I use the 10% Happier app, which yep. is um, the book was called by the same name and the apps on the app store and I guess wherever you get apps. But I think there's a free week or a free month. But then if you have a look at all the courses, there might be something that, that, that tickles your fancy. Yeah, cool. It's really good because they're only between five and 15 minutes max. Like when you were saying half an hour of meditation, I was like, wow, I've never done that much. So, yeah. Yeah, but that's only maybe once a week, once a fortnight even. Still pretty regular, I reckon. Compared I think, to 15 minutes every day? Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I'm, I'm impressed by that. Do you know, studies say that 15 minutes of meditation is equivalent to four hours of sleep in terms of the effect on your body. For the cognitive four space or, eight? or physical? Must be cognitive. I don't know. I didn't do the study. I just... Uh, <laughs> I saw it on TikTok. Yeah, you want to hotwire it in. Uh, One of the things that my psychologist and actually someone close to me mentioned that I could do when I was feeling a little bit, you know, blue and upset was this thing about like thinking and writing, particularly writing down things that I'm grateful for in my life. And I've heard this before. I've heard this before on like wellness podcasts and Instagram accounts and all of that, but I've never done it before. And Today, when you came in, you showed me that you've actually been doing some of this work. Yeah, well, I don't know if you're aware, but I've been quite active in terms of journaling and gratitude probably for the last 10 years now. Really? That's great. It's a practice that I do religiously, and I think I can reflect on my life right now why I'm in such a good space, and I think it's because I practice a lot of gratitude, and I'm very aware of the thoughts that go through my head and do a lot of journaling. So do you have, like, structure around that day-to-day? There's a few different mediums that I have. I've got a diary that I have and before bed every night I rate my day out of 10 mm-hmm. and then I associate an emotion that I felt throughout that day and then I write down the five things that I did that day and then at the end before I go to bed I write down something that I'm grateful for about that day. Wow that's a lot of work before you go to bed. It's two minutes Jesus. before bed. and It's like it, a speed test. Well it's a routine that I've embedded over the last 10 years and it's amazing because 
the last thing that happens for me before I hit the pillow and fall asleep is thinking about something that I've been grateful for. And even just recording what I've done in a day, like ranking my days out of 10, if I know that there's been a few days of sixes in a row, I know there's something going on that I need to reflect on and change in my life. So I like to maintain either a seven out of 10 or above in terms of how my day's going and where my head is at. And yeah, it's just a really tangible way to practice reflecting or a a form of journaling that keeps you basically on your toes. And after each week or month or Usually at the end of each year, I actually read through my year and say, oh, yep, I went through a nice period in these months or I experienced a low because of X, Y, Z. These are my triggers. These are what I need to work on. This is what brings me satisfaction. And I think over the last probably four years, it's really clicked for me and I know how to basically regulate myself and push my life in a direction that I want it to because of that practice. Wow, there's so much self-awareness here. I don't even know how to react. I would never have thought of doing something like this. I guess the sceptic in me, if you'll let me sit in that space, is if if the goal is always to be above seven, do you ever feel like you are, that's a high expectation that you're just trying to meet? What if your life is just particularly shitty for a period of time? Do you allow yourself to score a three or four for three days in a row? Or are you kind of jumping in at that point with the like... You know, the CPR equipment. Yeah, I think the periods where I do go through a couple of threes or fours, that's my cue to reflect on what's going in my life. What do I need to bring myself back up? And I think if I reflect it back to your experience last month, if I was in your shoes, I probably would have picked it up sooner without needing like an external person to bounce off. Yeah. I don't know if that sounds insensitive. A little bit, but that's okay. You've been quite insensitive <laughs> the whole podcast, so may as well just team with the theme. But um, if, if I compare, like... It's I'm, a good self-reflection. I marry that reflection with gratitude. So the other thing I have is a one-second video every day, and basically every day of the year I post one thing on this app, and at the end of the year it shows me everything that I've done in a visual form. Do you always post positive things or do you post neutral or negative? Well, things? to be honest, I don't proactively take pictures throughout the day, but I find, you know, there's always something that pops up and it's quite funny because at the end of the year, you're always like, oh, like, what have I actually fucking done this year? Like, and it's like common. A lot of people think that, but not until you actually sit down and reflect on what you've actually done, do you realize how amazing you've done in life? Well, yeah, my life anyway. <laughs> but I guess I, I take you back to this point of like, are you, I don't know, I've been thinking of this lately, I think, especially because I'm reading this book, um, it's about evolution and the human mindset, and it talks about how Western culture is, like, obsessed with happiness and positivity. I wonder if those videos that you take, like, are they good ref- and true reflections of your life, or are they, like, washing them with really, like, just the most, the best moments, which is not a bad thing, but I'm just curious, would you... If you went to a funeral and you felt love for that person and you were really reflecting and, you know, that was your key moment of that day, would you snap a a moment in the service or, you know, not in the service, but, you know, the church or something as you were leaving? Or would would you feel like you had to skewer that video to just be, like, really positive? Um, No, that there were, like, you know, I went to a few funerals last year and aspects of that did pop up in the videos, whether, obviously it's not nothing graphic, but for me it was like a mental cue, whether it was, like, a picture of the memorial card or I think in my video last year it was doves that were being released. Okay, yeah. And I think for me it's a a humbling experience to look back on that. Yeah, uh, I think for me I'm not afraid of negative emotions mm-hmm. I'm very uncomfortable with them but I'm not afraid of them and I think that's been a mindset thing that I've sort of had to learn and grow over the last few years what's the distinction between that like you're not afraid of them but you don't find them comfortable like I, I still don't quite understand mm. that one I guess when it comes to being hurt upset or sad I, I think when it comes to emotions it's being aware of what the emotions are and being comfortable enough to sit with it i don't know if your psych has ever talked you through that yeah absolutely that's a big part of meditation and being able to differentiate reality from what you're seeing or feeling in terms of an emotional capacity Mm -hmm. absolutely so i feel sad therefore you know everything is sad it's being able to be like yep i feel sad and you said it earlier you knew it was going to pass you just had to sit with it, but you knew down the track, this is just a temporary thing and being able to push through it because, you know, there's other aspects of my life that I can focus on and focus my energy on. 
So there's being able to sit with negative emotions or the adverse to that is sitting with it and being afraid of it and thinking, oh, no, everything's shit. Yeah. I'm sad right now. The world is terrible. You know, everyone's out to get me. Catastrophizing. Yeah, exactly. Catastrophizing. Now, I like we haven't prepped this, but I'll spring it on you. If you're willing to talk about it, one of the things that I find curious about you is that you often don't cry, do you? Yeah. Yeah, which is, I guess many people would say that, that crying is something that happens, you know, naturally or normally. Mm. Um, I, I, in particular, cry like a lot of the time when I'm really happy, you know, like elated I'll cry. I cry during sad parts in movies, watching the news, national tragedies, listening to podcasts, music. I'd say I probably cry every second day, like not, you know, wailing, but just... It's because you're a princess. No, it's not because I'm a princess. Some people would say it's maybe because, you know, I might be more in touch with my emotions in a certain way or I let myself feel things. And I'm not a psychologist. I'm not not saying that's the case. But I certainly feel a lot of relief when I cry. I think that's the main thing. I feel like I've gotten it off my chest. Mm. And it it doesn't affect me for more than a few minutes after that. I can be listening to like an amazing song that I really like and I was thinking about a friend that... I don't know, maybe I'm not touched with anymore. And I might like cry a tear, a tear or two and then move on. Like, I guess you, do you still feel that release if you're not kind of crying? And are you happy to talk about this? Cause I totally just wrung this. Yeah, I don't know where to go with this, but yes, I, it, we have talked about this before around. I don't cry. I think that's a lot to do with growing up. I was very much a cry baby oh, and right. got in trouble a lot for crying. So I think there is a, reflexive response there as to why I don't cry. But f- for me, crying doesn't mean sad emotions. No, it doesn't have so to mean I, sad emotions. Yeah, I, I don't know how to answer the question. I, I, I do feel sad. I, I do feel very upset about a lot of things. But uh, you don't feel the need to cry. Well, it, it's not that. It's just... Uh, you just don't think crying is for... Well, it's not that I'm forcing myself not to cry. Okay. It's just I... I think for me, maybe that in terms of sadness, that that probably fascinates in other ways, whether it's stress or anxiety. Okay. There's certainly been, and I'm really holding you to this, but there's certainly been situations where we've attended a funeral of like a friend together and, you know, most people, if not all of them there were crying at one point, but you didn't cry. Did you feel like you missed out on anything or do you feel like this is just the way that I am and I'm okay with that? Yeah, so... I just find it so fascinating, sorry. That's why I can't let, let it go. It just feels like crying is so important to me. That, and I know you don't really do it. And I guess I'm just always like, why is that the case? Is it that he's I not letting know. himself... I don't know. I, I don't know the answer. I have I had spoken to my psych about it. Why don't I cry? And she gave me some exercises to do to see if it was a reactional thing or whether I was suppressing the emotions. And what came out of those exercises? I didn't fucking do the exercises, so... Oh, okay. So you had to do homework. So your psych does give you homework. You just don't do it. <laughs> yeah, my psych always gives me homework. That's great. That's what I want. <laughs> anyway, we could let the crying thing go. I just, I just don't even know. I don't know why the conversation just went there. Yeah, I, I, and I don't know how to answer. I don't want to pretend that I'm on this pedestal that I know how to deal with my mental health and I know all the answers and strategies. I think you know I've developed things that help for me, but I'm still very much on my journey in terms of trying to manage. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think we all are, absolutely. Um, do you want to go back to your gratitude journals? Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, let's finish this episode off with something a bit fun. So I another tool that I have are these, not gratitude journals, but they're, they're these journals from Typo. They're called like a sentence a day. Mm-hmm. And the way that they're structured is every day there's a comment or a sentence that you need to answer, a question that you need to answer. And there's three different years. So you do it in the first year, you work your way through chronologically. And the next year you have the exact same days and the exact same questions. Well, I've been doing this for nine years now. (laughs) I love this exercise. I do it first thing in the morning when I wake up. And it's so good to reflect on, you know, two years ago on this day, I was feeling this. Mm -hmm. 
and yeah, I mean, I found some pretty embarrassing ones. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just picking up now and flicking through it, and like these are really personal. So thanks so much for trusting oh, me to, to read them. They're like <laughs> you can read them out, but if they're it's too no, no, I want to, out. I want to see what you come up with. Go for it. Bear in mind these. The book that I have here is from the last three years, February twenty two. What's something you would never do? And in twenty nineteen, I said meet a girl out and have a one night stand. Have you? So you're saying you've done that? No, or you, back then it was something that I said I'd never do. Oh, have you done it now? <laughs> you well, can say. Yeah, but I, I found it very funny to look back around. That was my mindset back then. Right. 2020, get back with my ex. Mm-hmm. Something I haven't done. And then 2021, my response to that question, what is something you'd never do? Not much. What does that mean? There's nothing that I would never do. Oh, I see. You're like a thrill seeker. (laughs) All my standards have just dropped. Oh, my God. (laughs) All right, this one's funny. March 22, do you consider yourself lucky? Why or why not? 2019, yes, I have an amazing life. 2020, COVID year, absolutely fucking not. Oh, 2021, for sure. My life is amazing. So it's like a little blip of a year. I get, okay, I get it now. So it's like, yeah. So you go back to the same page. Yeah. Over three consecutive years. That's really cool. You do that, is that every day or just once a week? No, I do it in the morning. So every day has a date. Crazy. I've just incorporated it into my routine. That's kind of (laughs) cool. October 11, my weakness is 2019, girls who flirt. Okay. 2020. Girls who don't want me. 2021. Guys who flirt? <laughs> Sorry. Oh. I can almost guarantee that was funnier than what you yeah, had probably to was. say. I'm not even going to bother. <laughs> <laughs> We're slowly winning. The gays are taking over the world. That's, that's the real master plan of this all. Um, but yeah, did you see anything in that? Well, I mean, these are very, these are very personal and thoughtful. I don't think I want to read anything out. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of like... A lot of things. Let's have a look. This one's probably lighthearted. What is your favorite app at the moment? In 16, you said Facebook Messenger has been getting a good run. That's a weird way to write that. And then in 2017, you said Snapchat. And then in 18, you said definitely not Tinder. (laughs) (laughs) My God. (laughs) Oh, my God. What is the best advice you've been given recently? So in 2016, trust your instincts and thoughts. It's obviously, if it's, it's not obviously not meant to be. I guess that's another way of saying like, whatever will happen, will happen. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I forgot that advice. Trying to decode this. 2017, make it clear you're asking someone on a date. Otherwise they'll never know. Oh my God. That happened last week with Darcy. (laughs) She said that you needed to make your intentions clear. Yeah, there you go. It goes to show I've not learnt much in the last five years. literally not learnt anything. And lastly, 2018, you said... What's the best advice you've been given? You're never going to get anywhere by playing it safe. Ooh, is that in relation to sex or? (laughs) I'm actually really enjoying this as long as you're okay with me to keep reading it. Okay, this one says you have to finish the sentence and the sentence is, oh my God, I can't believe that. Oh no, I can't read that one. Oh wait, Taz and I were making out and I thought I was kissing her neck, but it was just her hair. Sorry, I can't read that. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, 2017, have changed my life so much in a year. Oh, 2018, I didn't get the job at Therapy Focus. <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop reading this. It's really sad. You do embrace the sad. I didn't even realise. There you go. I just put it into words. But you've been very honest. I, like, that was different from what I was expecting, which was, like, you'd be washing your life in just, like, these really, like, toxic, positive moments. But, no, you had some really Oh, some and, real and these are my fun journals. Like, I didn't bring my personal one in. Oh, my God. So do you do actual journaling on top of the reflections? Uh, yeah, I do. So the reflection stuff I do daily. Um, and in terms of proper journaling, I do them, I, I say when there's Trojan events, which means when there's like big events in my life that I need to unpack or decode or say I wake up at 2am in the middle of the night and can't get back to sleep and I'd sort of just open up my phone and journal. Wow. Mm. That's really good. It's I mean, still I like something it. I want to get better at and I'd love to be able to get into a better 
habit or routine around journaling. But as I said, it's really good. I like this is really lame, but one of the reasons I don't think I've gotten into it is because my handwriting's really terrible and it bothers me how bad it is. You, you've just seen my high handwriting. No, but I can read yours. Like I'm, I'm not joking. When I write more than like a few sentences, I find like I can't even read what I've written. It's just shit. Yeah, but anyway. you could do you could do voice journaling. You could do on the phone like I do. You I don't reckon, need to handwrite it. Yeah, I reckon if I had like some sort of app on my phone or like whatever and it was just shooting me questions, I'd totally do it. Mm, I've actually got a friend that you know um, and we might actually get her on in a few weeks that is designing this book around having prompts for journaling. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a lot of those are prompts, basically those questions. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the worst podcast episode ever. <laughs> All good. But no, uh, um, yes. So that's the end of today's episode. We've got a couple of cool things in the pipeline over the next few weeks. We've got some yeah. more some more guests. We sure do. A lot more guests. People more interesting and funny than we are. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, thanks as always for listening and sticking with the episodes, including the really serious ones like this one. We enjoy your support and thanks for, yeah supporting us (laughs) see you next time bye